Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saltalamacchia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. All right, well, baseball isn't boring once again because there is an offseason. There is a hot stove, and this two months or a month and a half or whatever it is hasn't disappointed. And really, all you need to look at is when you look at the list, like the excellent list that our good friend at hand, free agent correspondent of baseball isn't boring, has done, and you have you're getting into the 20s now, which is kind of insane considering what other off-seasons have been. And it says a lot about how quick things have moved. Now, we are going to get, you know, I think in the coming weeks into the trade stuff. It has definitively been take free. No, put it this way. It's definitively been Teoscar Hernandez trade, free agents, and then trades later into January. But, 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 but first of all, let's bring in Ed. Ed, what's going on? How you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Happy Hanukkah, my friend. Yes, happy Hanukkah and happy holidays to everybody out there. This is a special week leading in. To, uh, to Christmas, going through Hanukkah and, and all the holiday season. And like I said, I mean, really, we were bemoaning how I, in, in, in the last few years, we would bemoan how it used to be, which was you had everything done by, by Christmas pretty much. You could take that de- definitively. You could take off the week after Christmas. A smattering of stuff would happen in January. But in recent years, that hasn't been the case. Last year was a gift because, oh, my goodness, you got everything by December 1st and you knew nothing else was going to happen. I mean, Ed, I mean, like, holy mackerel, that was like, I know the lockout sucked, but but still, it was good in that respect. Of like, we, there was no room for interpretation. There was nothing that was going to happen until the lockout ended. But this year, this year is different. And it's sort of like, I don't know about you, Ed, but it sort of snuck up on me where, you know, in the last few days, as we're taping this, we have like the Ben Benintendis of the world. Earlier this week, we had Radon. We have these guys who are, are sort of making up the top tier. And then you look up and like, wait a second, everybody's gone, you know? Yeah. And um, 
with both Rodone and then yesterday Dansby Swanson, that really was yes, the yes. end of yeah. the uh, the end of the upper echelon. Um, just going off of my list and MLB trader, really everybody's like the top twenty are gone. Um, the main I have the number one guy remaining right now is Brandon Drury, who is really a jack of all trades, master of none. Um, but there I mean, are still some told, good if players. You, if, yeah, if you told me though, Ed, like that we would get to uh, December, whatever, nineteen twenty, whatever. And Brandon Drury would be the top guy on the free agent list still left. I would say you're crazy. And I think MLB trying to trade rumors, which isn't far. You guys are pretty similar. I think their top guy is Evaldi. Same thing. I mean, so, but there are free agents and that's what we're here to talk about because there are still guys who have to sign. As we sit here, as we talk about this, one, a couple other guys really today, uh, again, as we tape this came off the list and Michael Brantley and um, Justin Turner Two guys, two veteran guys who, um, yeah, I mean, again, this, we're not talking about top-tier guys, but they're coming off the list. So we don't have yeah. to talk about them today. But I do yeah. want to talk about who is left. So, uh, let's, so let's do that, all right? Yeah, and you brought up a guy interesting and I think very desirable for a lot of teams. I have consistently put Michael Waka ahead of Nathan Eovaldi. Mm. And I always say, you know, it's 1A and 1B. But I say why well, I take Waka a little bit over Evaldi. Um, okay, so can I stop you right yeah. there? So, yeah. uh, so not this past year, the year before, I did a radio show with Steve Peralt of the uh, who does the Inside the Monster podcast, yeah. and Steve's great. Though the one thing I got on him for was exactly what you just did, which is the pronouncing Evaldi's name E Evaldi. It's like an earworm for me. What are you doing, Ed? Come on, Ed. Let's go. Avaldi. Avaldi. It's 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 okay. Let's say say it for me one time. Avaldi. Oh, this isn't even the worst of me. Um, because I read a lot, and I don't listen to a lot. So I end up. Call- I was calling Tanner. Uh, I was calling Tanner How Tanner Hook for about a year before <laughs> anybody corrected me. I do this a lot. I just, well, in fairness, I would you, yeah. I, I would say like a draw, drawery or something. You know, I, I you're yeah. not alone. You're not alone. But it just as soon as you said, it, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going through this all over again. But doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because that doesn't really matter how we pronounce these guys' names, and it's more how you're going to rank them. So, like you said. Like the Waka, as we sit here, I have to keep saying that, Ed. As we sit here, because, you know, things can happen. But as we sit here, Evaldi and Waka are the two guys. I mean, it's just coincidental they come from the same team. They're different in the respect of Evaldi has the qualifying offer attached to him. Um, Waka doesn't. You know, it's it's interesting, Kate, like, two, like with all these guys. And I think you do a good job of breaking – these down uh, like uh, for all of them, but everybody's a little bit different. Like we can say, well, there's a 21 and 22 or 23, but everyone's a little di- bit different. You know, Michael Waka is a guy, it, 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 and I go back and forth on Evaldi and Waka too. Uh, Michael Waka is a guy who had a great year with the Red Sox, a really, really good year, great signing for them. But it was that it was the two months with Tampa, and then it was with the Red Sox, and still bizarrely, still young, fairly young, thirty years old, thirty-one. But you still only have that one year. Where Avaldi, you have like pretty a pretty decent production when he pitches over the last couple of years. But 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 you have some injury problems, um, and so if do you, if you're a team, do you want to sign this guy up? And then you have. 
the the other part of it, which oh, okay, if you want the veteran presence, which one do you want more? Do you want why both guys are great clubhouse guys, but in different ways? So I don't know. So give, give me your breakdown of them. Yeah, um, I think Evaldi. Oh, sorry, Evaldi is much more of a. Uh, he's a he's a traditional power pitcher. Doesn't walk a lot of guys. Big fastball. Um, just pummels the strike zone. Tough as nails. Like he's the kind of guy you see him in spring training. He's throwing as hard as he can on the first day of it. Um, and he's been good for a while, but he's always been a bit injury prone. He finished fourth in um, Cy Young voting in. 2021 and i think that was the first time he's pitched over 30 starts um it was his only really full healthy year since he was in his mid-20s so there's some he's a two-time tommy john guy um always seems to miss a month or two here and there he he made about i think it was 20 starts this year hip injury so at least it wasn't an arm thing but you know that's not going to get better as he ages um and he is a little bit older than waka now waka as you said, it's surprising that he's still as young as he is, but he is the younger of the two. Um, but he's 31 now. And he, you met, you alluded to something in Tampa, the last two months in Tampa, followed by the season he's had in Boston. And what happened there was that he just removed his cutter from his, uh, from his repertoire. And, you know, the results became significantly better when that happened. Now he's doesn't, I think if you're going by pure stuff, He's not as strong as as Evaldi. Evaldi's got more velocity on him. But he does control. have a, he does have the pitch. He, he does. does. He has the pitch, and he and did. and so you know you're right. I mean, if you're talking about and I, and with Evaldi, it intrigues me because and I told Evaldi this too is that you have these pitchers who are taking better care of themselves, who are evolving, who have more information. And this guy, you know, obviously he's his work ethics off the charts and he's, he's open to a, adjusting. So he, he was a guy who threw a hundred miles an hour and that's what he was known for, but he also has the other, other pitches. So I am anxious to see like how he is going to evolve, but, but we still have to see. I mean, we're, if you sign this guy into his mid thirties, he's still going to have to see how he evolves and like you said, stay healthy with Waka. It's it's the the thing that you can hang your hat on is you're right. You get rid of um, um, the cutter, and but he has that change. Oh, I love a good change of head. Is so good. Oh, I love. There's nothing better, man. There's nothing better than a, a guy who can just say, "Here comes the changeup. Good luck. Here comes a slower pitch. Good luck hitting it." But it's so good. I mean, it's so elite, and uh, so that really intrigues me. Like I just. I think with Waka, you know, it's still for me, like I go back and forth. But I do, I will say this about Waka. I think for whoever signs him, I think he'll still be a good pitcher going forward in the next couple of years. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. But I would also say this about Evaldi. In the last few years, he really has gone from being a thrower who's very dependent on his velocity to being a pitcher who can, who he, he, his ability to pitch. His ability to make the most out of his pitches that aren't just his fastball has improved significantly in the last few years, and it's why he's still, you know, as good as he is when healthy. And, and, and so when it comes down to the actual market, we know that I think that if there was no qualifying offer attached, I don't think there'd be any question. I think Evaldi would get the better deal. But that's the caveat here, the qualifying offer. I think that the Yankees thing hurt him 
because I do think that he was probably the backup plan if they didn't get Radon. And, um, and, but you have that qualifying offer and you have teams say, well, if we sign this guy to a two or three year deal, is it worth, you know, giving up what we have to do because he's attached to the qualifying offer? We're going to have to see. But Waka obviously is not attached to that. And I, I kind of am surprised. I'm not so much surprised that it, it's taken this long with Evaldi, but I am surprised that it's taken this long with Waka. Kind of considering how many other starting pitchers have come off the market. Yeah, it does make me wonder if with Evaldi, he's waiting for Waka to get taken because after, you know, if you have to choose between Waka and Evaldi, you can just say, okay, well, they're similar. Maybe Evaldi's the better pitcher, but he doesn't have, but he has the qualifying offer and Waka's not that much worse than him. So I'll, we'll go with Waka. After that, the next best pitcher is probably Johnny Cueto. And Cueto, under the radar, had a Yeah, he was, had a great year. year last year. Yeah, yeah. 3.5 war somehow. Um, you know, back from the dead, really, you know, went from being a strikeout pitcher to a contact pitcher, but it worked extremely well. Um, but I still think that there's a much wider gap between Nathan Avaldi and Johnny Cueto than there is between Nathan Evaldi and Michael Waka. Yeah, and I think it's a good point. I think that there's always usually – there's always a, a guy or guys that they realize when they see the market shake out, they say, what's the best move here? And for the most part, what we've seen is the best move is to ride the wave of the spending throughout free agency. But with Evaldi, I don't think necessarily that's the case. I think you're absolutely right. Because what the, I think the, what he'll probably end up doing is, okay, you know, teams still need perceived top of the rotation guys and all the top of rotation guys are gone. So this is the best guy you can have. And by the way, another thing they can can say is that this guy will help your younger pitchers. I think Walk is the same way, but Evaldi, you know, seeing Evaldi in person, like we were talking about this, Coming, or you said that coming out of spring training throwing 100 in, in the bullpen sessions. Another thing I'll never forget this, Ed, is that you know, I pulled up, you know, we have to get to spring training. You, get, you usually get to the clubhouse, you have to be there. It opens at eight. So it's a really, really early day. So I pull in about 7 30, and it's this misty, foggy day in Fort Myers. And almost like it, it was scripted through the fog, I can see Evaldi and Whitlock with these sleds attached to them with 45 pound plates like this, pulling them, you know, in the, in, at seven 30 in the morning around the entire complex. And, and two things to take out of that. Number one is good work ethic. You know, I, it wasn't for show. And also the fact that the young pitcher is the guy who's getting beside him and going. And I think that's one thing that they can sell to any team and they should sell. Like I would, I would value that if I was a team. Yeah, no, and especially if you're a team like, say, the Texas Rangers that's trying to go from being a non a non contender to right in the middle of things with their moves. I could see somebody like I think Evaldi he's a great fit in. for the Rangers. I think yeah. you have you have Degrom. Obviously, you have Degrom. I mean, we know all about him, but you know what they came into the offseason and they knew that they were going to need pitching, starting pitching, and probably two or three arms. But if if you get an Evaldi. Or, or honestly, even Waka is a Texas A&M guy. Yeah. And you get either one of them. I think both of them are perfect fits for the Rangers. Yeah, and we'll see. You know, they're still I, – I, I was surprised that they were both still here because 
I sent uh, I, I sent a list of guys that I was like, okay, these are going to be interesting matchups, but we'll have to switch them up if you know because things are happening so quickly. I was positive one of these guys was going to sign before we recorded. And well, if, if here we do, are, if they do get you know wake up early in the morning, we'll do it all again. <laughs> uh, well, so okay, before we move on to the next uh, matchup or pairing, um, who if you're Ed Hand, if you're at the GM, who do you sign? I I go with Walker. Okay. Actually, of the two, because I think that one, no qualifying offer. Two, he's a bit younger and let little bit. I mean, he's had his share of injuries, but I, you know, it's incredible the conditioning that Evaldi has managed to get himself into. But he still had two Tommy John surgeries, and oh, I mean, you can look at it. Well, yeah. he's not going to have a third. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, who? Yeah. How, so how, let me ask you this. So, okay, you go with Walker. How many years do you give him? Three. Okay. I give him something similar to what um, Descafani got for the um, for the Giants, uh, like $36 million, three years, something like that. Okay. I mean, that's fair. I, yeah, I, I can deal with that. I, I will have to see about, again, with Evaldi, like where he lands in terms of the qualifying offer. But I don't think there's any question that if, if that wasn't attached to him that he would be getting a pretty good contract. And, you know, the Red Sox have the hammer here, man. I mean, they they gave him the qualifying offer. He turned it down, which I was, you know, I, I thought was 50-50. Um, and the Red Sox can sit there and they offered him a multi-year contract, but I'm sure the multi-year contract was was nowhere near of, of, of $38 million, which was, the you know, the qualifying offer times two. So I, I, so they could say, well, you know, we, we can give a couple – we don't mind a couple of years at – whatever at 20 at 24 at 26 or whatever it is. Um, and of all these probably sitting there thinking, man, you know, this is my chance. You know, I got the free agency. I signed with you guys. I've done what I've done with you guys. And, you know, but we'll have to, we'll have to ride it out. All right. The next one, we've talked so much about shortstops and uh, it's been so fun, Ed. And I think that, I, and you're going to have to remind me, you were far closer than I was in terms of landing spots of the big four. How many yeah, did you get right? I got three out of four. Oh, good for you. Three out of four, but I missed I missed the one that I personally cared the most. Oh. <laughs> but I was, you know, Turner Turner went to the Phillies yeah. and Faria. Oh wait, no, I got I only was I was two. I think I was two and four. I wasn't three and four. I was going to say, do you had, you had Correa go yeah, to the Giants? I had no. I, I didn't have Cor- I didn't have Correa to the, the Giants. No, but okay. I had. Um, I was thinking of Verlander for some reason, who is is not a shortstop. But no, but I had it about Swanson and the Cubs, uh, and I had it about Turner and the Phillies. So I was off about okay. the Padres, and I was off about Correa and the Giants. But okay, um, I mean that's you know, pretty good. That's four. still those pretty good. Yeah. We knew. I think that. 500 batting average is solid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. Your OPS is off the chart. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's, yeah, I think that we knew, we knew the Phillies were going to sign someone, right? We knew the Phillies were going to sign someone. Yeah. Um, and then after that, it was, it, it, I don't think anyone could have fully predicted. I think we thought that the Red Sox would sign somebody, which obviously at this point they haven't. Well, well they aren't. I mean, they aren't going to sign one of the big yeah. four. We thought the Cubs were going to sign someone, but there was still like there was that sort of murmuring of, well, the Cubs are all are they talk or are they actually going to act? And um, and are they going to get into the deep end when it comes to these guys? They got in the deep end, the, the shallowest end of the deep end, 
with Dansby Swanson, but still, I mean, that was, you know, that was a notable thing. Um, so it, the, the Padres and the Giants are the two that, I, I mean, I think that you and I can agree that at the beginning, at the outset, we're like, oh, I mean, I don't think that they desperately needed a shortstop, either one of them. I mean, you're looking at, you're moving off of, uh, you know, in the Giants, you're moving a guy over to third base, right? Or, yeah, third base, Crawford. And then, um, and with the Padres, you already had like four shortstops. So, so I, I'm trying to make us look better, right? I'm look, <laughs> make us look more sane. Um, so, uh, Dansby Swanson goes to the Cubs. That's the most recent one. And that leaves us with two intriguing guys. Not guys who are going to stick in the middle of the order like these other guys. Not guys who are going to put on the cover of the media guide unless your team really, really sucks. Um, so, but guys who can be useful. I mean, Jose Iglesias and Elvis Andrews. And Elvis Andrews re- really re- revitalized his value by going to the White Sox at the end of the year. Um, and, and Iglesias revitalized his value to really dating back to when he spent that final month with the Red Sox and then goes to Colorado and has a pretty good year. So, yeah, talk a little bit about those two guys um, because they're still useful guys, but they're sort of along the lines of the rest of the guys we're going to see come off the board, right? Everyone's going to be yeah. like, oh, that's good. That's nice. I mean, it's not, it's not yeah. going to sell It's not going to sell a single ticket, you know? Yeah. But yeah. still, what do you think? No, the drop-off from the upper echelon is, and the next group of guys in this free agency class in general is pretty dramatic, and – Shortstop, there's no group that it's any like it's it's pretty jarring where you go from Dansby Swanson to Jose Iglesias, and that's not to say either of these guys are bad. Iglesias, I feel like, has almost been criminally underrated his entire career. He's a guy who came up with the Red Sox as a defense defense first, kind of like um, I don't know if this. Uh, this, he's kind, kind of almost like a poor man's, impoverished man's Omar Vizquel, just um, just very good defensively. Like you said, you yeah. went from poor man to impoverished man. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay. Yeah, yeah I, would, I would agree with that. I mean, it's, yeah. and, and by the way, you know, it was his career was, everyone thought was falling off a cliff when he was with the Angels. Yep. And everyone, you know, would be when he was required by the Red Sox for that last month, Believe me, everyone was jumping in saying, oh, my goodness, look at his defensive run saved. It's terrible. Everyone said this guy's defensively. He's not even good defensively anymore. And then then I think the Red Sox got a different version of him. And then I think the Rockies got a different version of him. And then, by the way, out of nowhere, the guys started learning to hit a little bit. So there you go. The bat's always been better than I think people give him credit for. Um, he's never going to be a huge home run hitter or anything like that. But, you know, you can get to it. If, if, if anytime he hits 275, 280, 30 doubles, 7 to 12 home runs, it's kind of, kind of with, you know, like if that, if you told me that was going to be his stat line next year, I'd say, yeah, no, that sounds about right. Um, so he'll get, he'll give you productive at bats. In a lot of ways, he's kind of like a shortstop version of Christian uh, Vasquez. Is and who who came up at a similar time to him, similar organization, a defense first guy who figured the bat out the more at bats that they got, which sometimes happens with these uh, defensive guys. Remind um, me, it, I can look this up, but I choose to ask you instead. Yeah, um, his strikeout rate. Oh God, I don't know off the top of my okay. Head so the reason I ask is my having seen him play as much as I have, I like I 
I view him, I remember, he used to be the master of the infield single. I mean, he's like, his, it was like his average was insane when he first came up. And it was all because of like these bleeders, like these these balls that like barely hit the bat and would die in front of the third baseman. But it, to me, he you know, he's sort of a contact type E hitter. I should look, as you talk next, I'll look this up so I don't look like an idiot. But it, it is interesting. I just did... um uh, another uh, podcast with Red Sox executive about Yoshida, who they just signed. And they were, and he was talking about like one of the things they love about him is his, his bat to ball skills and his inability to swing and miss and to control the strike zone, which I think, and when he's saying this, I remember like watching the World Series. This is what the Astros did. And I think that the contact skills for hitters are going to be more valued than ever. Because the stuff for pitchers have become so insane. It's, it's not, you just can't swing as many. You can't just go up there wailing. And the Astros show how valuable that is. And, and, and I think it's going to help with contact hitters with no shift. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sort of anxious to see how that plays out. Yeah. And I think that somebody like Iglesias really, again, like like you said, with like the master of the infield hit, if you put on the bat, if you can put the bat on the ball, something might happen. You know, nothing's, but if you're just swinging and missing at everything, it's not. So, you know, that's um, something that definitely works in his favor, but I'd have to look up what his actual uh, uh, I, I will, is. Uh, I will do that for you. But why, why I look this up, tell me a little bit about what your perception of Elvis Andrews is. Uh, my perception of Elvis Andrus is that he had a really good comeback season that sort of came out of nowhere. Um, he had signed a long-term deal with the Rangers that didn't really go so well at the end of it. Ended up on the A's, I think, and then got traded to the White Sox, um, when Tim Anderson went down and really was just able to put together a pretty solid season with, um, some, you know, I think he had 17 home runs, 32 doubles, played solid enough defense. When everything was said and done, he had a 3.0 war, um, can, so, can I stop you real quick because yeah. because I, I don't want to look at this anymore. Yeah. Um, and I want to update. So I looked up Iglesias. First of all, not as old as I thought. Yep. You know, like 30, was he? He 32, 32 yep. as we sit here. And so in 467 plate appearances, he struck out uh, fi- uh, 56 times. So that's not bad. You know, that's pretty not, good. I would yeah, say. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, it's. So he doesn't strike out a bunch. Um, I, I like, you know, like before you go on about Andrews, you know, yeah. I, I just think that Glacius might be this guy who sort of has, as sort as he's gotten a little older, he's figured it out because Ed, I was around when he got first called up and the perception in, you know, when they traded, made that trade for Jake Peavy, the perception was a little big for his britches, you know, not a bad guy, but a little big for his britches, you know, and, and then a little flashy, obviously went to Detroit and, and, uh, again, not a bad guy, but I think and once he got back to Boston, there was definitely a, a maturity that they hadn't seen when he left, um, eight years before. And, and I, I, I having that age and just sort of seeing his production and I don't think he's going to hit like he did in Colorado, but it's not a bad, it's not a, yeah, exactly. It's not a bad guy to have, but you know, same thing. I guess all these things I'm saying, the same thing could be said about Elvis Andrews too, right? Yeah, yeah. Players just, you know, he's not anybody to write home about, but he's somebody that will play you solid shortstop 
for 150 games a year. We'll, we'll make all the plays he has to, maybe a few that he shouldn't. We'll not lead your team in any offensive categories. And if he does, your team's probably in trouble. But he's not going to hurt you a ton either. So he's a solid but not spectacular is mm-hmm. how I would describe uh, Andres. And, and, and also the guy that we talk about revitalizing himself, and when the White Sox picked him up, it was uh, you know it was out of desperation because of Tim Anderson, yeah. and 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 he he along with this two guys on that team who really who really like made the most of their opportunity in an otherwise sort of sad trombone of a year, which was Johnny Cueto and and Elvis Andrews, both of them. Yeah, hey, you're gonna gonna give me the chance. I'm gonna take advantage of it. And and both guys went a long, long way to keeping them in as long as they did, which is saying something. Because, I don't. I, again, I think that the Elvis Andrews thing was a little bit of desperation at that time, but yep. it really worked out for him. Yeah, and with Cueto, I don't think he even made it up to the team until May. I think they signed him pretty late yep. in spring training. So it just goes to show that you don't know where your team is going to be turning to come June 1st. It really is amazing. He, he was, you know – and he he's another guy as, as I wouldn't mind signing him, and maybe he has figured it out. Do, are you going to count him for thirty starts? Probably not. But still, he, you just look every time he pitched, you're waiting for him to fall off the cliff, and he just never did. Like almost every every outing was a good out. He was in that rotation, in that White Sox rotation that was supposed to be so loaded, including but when they started off the year with Dallas Keuchel. Who you yeah. know wasn't Dallas Keuchel, but everyone thought he oh, okay, he's, he can be okay. He was a disaster. He got cut. Um, you had Kopech hurt all the time. You had Lance Lynn getting off to a really slow start and starting um, hurt. Yeah, he missed G- the first half of the year. Yeah, right. And Giolito wasn't Giolito. You know, like what he said. Cease was obviously awesome. Cease was great. Yeah, yes, he was. <laughs> awesome. But really, like their one two in terms of production was was uh, Cease and Cueto and. You know, that was, I don't think anyone saw that coming, but. No, no, but it's, you know, it's interesting with players like that who, when they're younger, they can rely on their, on their fastball, their velocity, just being able to overpower players. And then they get older and they lose a little bit of that. And they have to really, it's like, I talk about this a lot, but it's the difference between a pitcher and a thrower. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that you see, like, C.C. Sabathia was another guy who went from being a thrower to being a pitcher and was able to really be useful for the Yankees towards the end of his career. Um, but these are guys that just, they figure out how to rely more on their knowledge of pitching, their location. And it seems like Cueto is somebody that's managed to do that. And so he's gotten older. What's interesting is that I've talked to Rich Hill about this, and and – you know, you have guys like him, like Cueto, like all these other guys, exactly what you're talking about. And the ironic thing is if those guys are coming up, they're not even given the chance. And, yeah. and it, it, like I've said this to Rich, hey, if you go to a high school try, if you go to a showcase, they're not even touching you. I mean, maybe. I mean, but you're throwing, eight, you know, 87, 88. Usually they're saying you have to throw – into the 90, you have to throw and, you know, be really helpful if you threw 95, like everybody else, like that's the standard. And so it, it there's, you can only get to the acceptance of doing that by having like a 10 year career and like, okay, you're going to have to trust me. I'm going to figure this out. It, it is. I am really, really intrigued. I'll come back to it about how the new rules, the shift thing is going to impact contact hitters and going to impact the way that pitchers are viewed. You know, so, um, yeah, I mean, 
it, it's yeah, it's it's, it's going to be. Uh, I don't think anyone knows. I think everyone's guessing right now. But you know, and, and I think everyone's guessing when it comes to the free agent stuff too. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, some of it also, I think their defense could be more important with the way the stolen bases are going to be now, too, because you having an effective shortstop that can block the bag might, you know, that might be something the teams are looking at also. Well, how about, how about having a second baseman that has to have the athleticism all of a sudden? You know, you can't put Mike Mistakis in short field. You can't put Travis Shaw in short field. You can't do that anymore. Where you you could move a guy over to second base and he would have to move 10 feet to to his right and 10 feet to his left, you know, 10 feet into the outfield. But you can't do that anymore. You have to have a, a, a very athletic second baseman, which is interesting because, you know, the, the second baseman aren't getting paid, you know, it, they aren't at all. Right. I mean, it's, it's who's, who's getting paid at all. Yeah, it's the shortstops and second base is almost like it's almost treated like oh well, just stick a utility guy here and for the season and he'll be fine. So it's going to be or like you said, one of these guys that's kind of like a first baseman but maybe a little more athletic than one of them, and they put them there. So and maybe, it's going to be yeah, very interesting how this. Yeah, affects and it. maybe maybe it's like the 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 paranoia of like you said, you have to have the shortstop do more of everything. You have to have them move all around. I don't know. I don't mean. And again, we're all guessing this stuff. So, which one would you? Uh, which one would, you, would Ed, GM Ed sign up? Uh, GM Ed signs Jose Iglesias because Iglesias, yeah, I do go. I think that um, Andres has a higher ceiling and a better pedigree, mm-hmm. but Iglesias has done what he's done and been steady for quite a while. Um, and I just think that he's more, he's not going to cost as much and he's more likely to, he has the higher floor. He's more likely to, uh, to be a positive. Yeah. I, for all we all, know, Andres goes back to, yeah, to what he was in Oakland. So, well, that's the thing, right? I mean, it's, it's, yeah, he had a nice little run in, in Chicago, but it was a, a very little run, nice little run. It was, it was only a couple months, I think. Right. Yeah. So, um, all right, I agree with you. I cannot disagree with you. All right, the last one is um, is this is what this is how we know you've gotten to the uh, December uh, late December in the free agent world, where the third uh, third debate is what is it? Drury and um, Segura, right? Correct. Yeah, Brendan Drury and oh, John Segura, the Here two highest rated players on your list. On my list, really? Uh, oh, yep, they're the two. I rated them the highest of the guys left, and they're very different. Yeah. So. Um, before we break these guys down, it's like all these guys are useful, right? I mean, every everybody who signs is useful, and and but it, it does come back to like when we talk free agency, the team, the, the free agency is over in terms of the excitement of free agency. It's over, maybe with the exception. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think globally across the entire MLB. But maybe with the exception of a of a Valdi or even a Walk, maybe, yeah. maybe. But can you think of anyone else? Forget about you know before we get to Drury and Segura, anybody yeah. else who people going to be like, oh, oh, couple of know, the relievers are still. Maybe, I think the, the Kluber, you know, I think a few of the relievers, right? Kluber maybe. Kluber, yep. There's Kluber. Um, trying to think if there's yeah the relievers. Well, you have Ottavino. But yeah, Ottavino, Chafin, if you need a lefty. No closers, no closers, perceived closers, right? Yeah, I mean, Craig Kimbrell, but is he really a closer anymore at this that's point? Amazing, yeah, but yeah, yeah, but I mean, that, that's amazing that we're, we haven't, nobody's talked about him at all. Well, it's not really yeah. amazing, but 
Um, all right. Well, Drury versus Segura. Give give me your best shot. Brandon Drury, very highly regarded young player when he first came up. I think it was with the Blue Jays. Um, did really well his first two seasons and then kind of fell off a cliff. He's bounced four or five teams since then. Started the season with the Reds, utility role, and took off with it. Made the all-star team, played every position. Not great defense, but not bad defense either. And he hit home runs. I think he ended up with 24 somewhere around then. That um, didn't do as well after he got traded to the Padres. But still very good season, you know, very good year, versatile and still reasonably young. Uh, I think late 20s, early 30s. So there's a guy that, uh, you know, has bounced around a bit, but maybe he put it all together. And then Mm -hmm. on the other end of the spectrum, you have John Segura, who is a player who has been around for a while. And when healthy, he's been pretty consistent hitter, you know, Um, like more of like a line drive. 15, 17 home runs. We'll steal a few bases for you. Plays decent enough defense. Used to be able to play shortstop third, second. Now it seems like he's limited to just second base. Um, But he gets hurt. That's really his problem is that he doesn't seem to be able to play a full season. And uh, that happened last year. But he was very good when he was healthy. He's a professional hitter, veteran, good clubhouse guy. Who do you like better? (laughs) Well, I put it, you know, I think that with Segura, the problem with Segura is that the player that he's become. You can find those players, like you can you can call up a player and think that that's going to give you the same output. Not the same veteran presence, obviously, but potentially the same output. Um, you know, so he's the ultimate complimentary complimentary player. With Drury, you know, he can have. A, I think because of the different positions, he can add a little bit more of an impact. Um, still, again, you're sort of you're, you're sort of hoping for the best. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, so it's uh, it's you know, it's 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 a tough one either way. It's just, it really is. I can't believe we got to this point. Yeah, I mean, it, it our guy still a guy still sitting there. Our guy still it, sitting there. Our guy is the number one catcher left, though. There were really only two. Uh, guys that I could even see starting at this point, uh, but Jorge Alfaro and Tom Jorge Alfaro. I, I retract my statement. If Jorge, wherever Jorge Alfaro signs, that will lead to excitement. So, and, and I kind of only say that jokingly, like I'll take a Jorge Alfaro and say, Oh, okay. You know, maybe there's something there. You know, that's yeah. I, it, honestly, I'd rather go down that route than get Segura. Oh, it's like I'm not saying that he's going to make the same money. I'm not saying that, but in terms of you know, well, this guy could do something. There you go. Well, maybe we can talk about that next week. The hidden gems that are left because there are a few of them. Yeah, yeah. So next week, uh, yeah, that that would be uh, that would be leading into the day after Christmas. So I don't know. Let me get back to you on that. Yeah. <laughs> so, but- yeah, yeah, the next time we talk, we can do the next time we talk. I mean, yeah. and, well, the good thing is, you would think that the week, as I said, the week after Christmas, everyone would go home and chill out, but maybe not. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's when all the trades. It is kind of crazy. Like there was after after the Teoscar Hernandez trade. Um, I mean, oh, you have the uh, the Murphy trade, the catcher. Uh, yeah. you have that trade, but really, you don't have a ton. No, there hasn't. There really hasn't been much at all. And, you know, I keep thinking like this, the, the, the good free agents 
are, are more or less done at this point. You're left with useful role players, but you don't have anybody that's going to really change your, the direction of your franchise. Mm. You can still do that with trades, though. There are still none of the major guys other than Sean Murphy have moved, and nobody knew Teoscar Hernandez was going to be on the move. So who knows what's going to happen once teams decide that this is the path they have to they have to follow? You know, a lot well, uh, can go down quickly. You know, another thing I would like to talk about maybe in a future episode is is just is just the value of the DH, how teams are valuing DH and the different perspective. I you know I can drop in some sound. I talked to Nelson Cruz at the winter meetings about that um because i do think that you have to you have to value the dh i don't like the idea oh we'll just rotate guys in and because ed the reason is is that some guys can't do it like they yeah. can't they can't get their head around um sitting around all day and then going ahead and they just can't it's i think there is a skill to it let me ask you this so as we sit here once again i trademark that line as we sit here uh turner signed a deal with the red sox the day before J.D. Martinez agrees to turn with the Dodgers. Who has a better year for you? Oh, man. I could, I, I could see both of them doing very well in these locations. Um, oh, gosh. I guess J.D. Martinez has the better year of the two. He's a bit younger. Um he had a really bad two months, but people forget he made the all-star team last year. So it's not like he was a total zero. Turner had a really good end of the second half, but he's 38. I don't know if he's going to be playing as big of a role. You know, he's going to be DHing. He's going to be playing first base. Well, here, I lean a little towards JD on this. Here's my here's my prediction. I think that so JD did the old even. Even at the age of 35, 36, this is a pillow contract for JD. Like, I think he fully expects that. I think that he viewed, you look at the last month of the season, the last couple of weeks of his season, um, he hit two home runs the last day. Not that yep. that is everything, but you know, he told me, like, I remember it was, it was almost the end of the season. He's like, I finally figured it out. I finally figured it out. I found out what I was doing. I'm like, when did you do that? He's like, Three days ago, <laughs> I'm like, okay, it's, uh, too, that sucks for you, man. It's like you yeah. found out the last week, but I, you know, I think that there's something to that, and the fact that he went back. This was very, very. Um, <laughs> the Dodgers were smart if they liked him at all because they had the upper hand in getting him and him taking the deal that he did because of Robert Vince Goyak, who was their hitting coach, who was JD's. He, JD basically he helped turn JD around going back when he was a private instructor. And so, you know, anybody who knows how JD operates, he used to send, even with the Red Sox, he used to send videos of him to Vince Goyak. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, I think that is that is a very real thing. They say, okay, I'll take my one year and 10 million and then move on from that. Turner is, um, I think it's, it's not a terrible signing, but, you know, we just have to see. Yeah, I know they had a better second half of the year, and um, and he's a good guy to have on the team. I do think that that's important with with this Red Sox team going forward because you've lost so many guys, so many key guys. So you know, but I think for production wise, I would have to agree with you. I think that JD yeah. Martinez is probably going to have a, a a better bounce back year. Um, and also, I just want to throw this in that you know when when asked uh, I asked somebody about uh, how much interest the Red Sox had. With JD Martinez, the quote was a bit dot dot dot. Isn't that like shouldn't you put that on the bumper stickers for the Red Sox? A bit. 
I mean, like either you do, or you don't. What does that mean? Go. Yeah, like what is that? Well, I mean, it means like mean? yeah, if it falls to us, like well, sure, we'll sign him. Uh, but it, yeah, like like it, I feel like ninety percent of 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 the guys that they've had interest in is like it's a bit dot dot dot. Yeah. But um, you know, and I, I honestly, I thought, I thought kind of like how that's maybe how the Cubs were trending, but boom, like they, they, they turned the page, man. Like they said, okay, we're laying in the weed. Boom, here it is, Bellinger, yeah. and then obviously Dansby Swanson, um, Bellinger Swanson, and I actually thought they made a low key excellent signing with uh, Brad Boxberger, who's been mm-hmm. very under the radar. For as a setup guy, but he was very good for two years with Milwaukee. He can close. He can be a setup guy, and they got him for like two million dollars plus, you know, some incentives. I thought that was a real. I thought that was a very sharp signing on that. I end. think the Cubs, the Cubs are going to be because they had a good second half. They feel good about themselves. They have some young players coming up, and so now you have this. I think that. The Cubs are in a good spot. You look at that town of Chicago, and you know I think it's funny because the White Sox sort of were the shock and awe team of of a year ago. Like, who aren't they yeah. going to sign? Who aren't they going to be interested in? And then, really, the move that they've made is Benintendi. But Benintendi's a good one. Like Benintendi's like a, a good for what they needed. It, you know, I I think Benintendi's devalued by a lot of people. I think he's a solid player. I think I think that sol- a solid player is the right way to look at that, but he's also not somebody that you can really build around. He's a very nice. But they don't player. need to build around him. I mean, that's the thing with the White Sox. I mean, you just yeah. need some to feel the ball and hit right-handed pitching. Like holy mackerel, they're so bad defensively. And and you know, I it, it is interesting because I put up a poll. I say of the two guys, who would you rather have? Two guys who sign virtually the same contracts or were virtually yep. the same age, which is Yoshida and Ben Tendi. Yep. And, you know, listen, I mean, obviously we're based in Boston and <laughs> it's going to be, you know, Red Sox centric, but it's always the shiny new toy. It's always yeah. a shiny new toy. It's, you know, it, I, it comes back to the Ben Tendi perception. And even with the Yankees, the Yankees offered him four years. I mean, the, they weren't, they weren't dissuaded by his lackluster performance. He, you said like JD was an all star. He was an all star. Benintendi was yeah. an all star. He was yeah. a Gold Glover a year before. So it's, you know, he's just like you said, he's a solid player. I, yeah. I think that was a good. I think five years is okay with a guy like that. He's still young enough. It's okay. So I'm saying it's okay. Chicago, yeah, Recon. It's okay. Good job. So there you go. Yeah, it's. It, I hate to say it this way, especially considering his like the name of the show that we're on. But he is a little boring. Good. He's a boring, good player, but it's, yeah, bro, you're, it's a good, excellent point. Excellent point. There's nothing wrong uh, with being boring, good. There's nothing wrong with that. So it's uh, this for being boring, good. Andrew Benintendi, a t-shirt's on the way. Um, so there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, I think Andrew, I think we solved a lot of problems once again, and uh, we'll race to put this. We'll everyone will, should listen to this as soon as possible. And I, I promise I will not have Hein Bloom on like five hours after I post this. <laughs> Okay. I, I got a story to tell you about that after we're done. Oh, you don't <laughs> want to tell now? Come on. I guess I can. I guess I can. So um, my fiance's family are just big, big sports people. And I get a text from Allie, um, my fiance, while I'm at work being like, your interview's blowing up. And I'm like, what are you... 
what what are you talking about your interview it's blowing up go uh, baseball isn't boring it's blowing up and i guess the interview that you did with blue was all over the news people were talking about it everywhere and they all thought that, that was me that was on and all of the fam- all of her family and i was kind of like I mean, I th- I think I was on three hours before that. Yeah, that, that wasn't me, guys. It was. Listen, first of all, it was six hours before, and because <laughs> it said dropped at six, and I and you know, yeah, you know, we had a good Heim Bloom interview here and, and everything else, and that's great. But but I want to say this is that I was very proud of that day overall, and you were a big part of it. Like I thought that that's how this whole podcast should be. It should be a lot of things to a lot of people. And I think that that's what exactly that day was. Now, you know, it's it's a lot to ask to do every day like that. But still, I mean, that was a great example of it because, you know, even in the following days, yeah, sure, you know, like people are consuming the High and Bloom interview. But I can tell you, people were still consuming all the stuff that we talked about with free agency. So, uh, yeah, so... Go tell your fiance and say, "Hey, listen, I'm the straw that serves a drink there." And uh, it's, it's it's it was it was it, this was this was uh this was a hallmark day, one of many that we've had here. At Baseball is important, by the way. Uh, and it was all it's always good when a guy a free agent signs, and we can pull up a video of him getting out of a car in a baseball is boring T-shirt. And that was the case with Justin Turner. So That's all awesome. these free agents. If Jorge Alfaro doesn't get out of the car at spring training wearing baseballs and boring T-shirt, then we aren't doing our job. So we got to get him that shirt. We got to oh get goodness. him. Me, preferably with no sleeves. Yes. Um, cut them off. They have to be cut off, though. Oh, of course, of course. All right, hey, excellent job as always. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field, and then I. Uh... I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it.